This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. First of all, you have a TV show for 50 plus women. I am a clinical hypnotherapist and I work with a lot of women and it seems like uh, in this culture that we're in, you know, uh, in North America, women are really on a, they're on a quest to improve themselves and learn, explore and, and so forth. And so I do have some male clients, but most of my clients are women. When I got an offer from the TV network, uh, I was contacted by the TV network and, and asked, would you like a show of your own? And I, I saw people, I, I have seen people over these years quitting their jobs, uh, getting, you know, going into the career they've always wanted to do and living their dream. And I thought, you know what? That's what I want. Let me guess, you're an entrepreneur looking for ways to grow your business online. And you've probably tried everything to grow your business, including social media, SEO, even paid ads, only to find out that nothing truly works. So what if I told you that writing a book that goes on to become a bestseller is the magic wand, and that you can do it in as little as 30 days, two weeks, or even over a weekend in some cases, without spending more than 10 minutes a day. Would you be interested? My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm the founder and host of American Real TV, where I interview world-class guests to empower others through the essence of story. But I didn't get here overnight, and my mission certainly doesn't end here. Ever since I was a little boy, it's been my dream to empower others through the craft of writing and storytelling. And throughout my life, I came across several mentors who pushed me toward my passion for writing books and helping others to do the same. There is no greater joy than to be working with aspiring authors and to help them establish true credibility within their industry by writing and publishing their first book, which I'm proud to say have all gone on to become bestsellers. Now, you're seeing this video because I just opened enrollment for my new book writing program, where I promise to take you from page one to published in 90 days or less. I will be personally working with you to overcome the same fears and obstacles that kept me from pursuing my dreams all of those years. Simply click on the link below to see how I could help you become a first-time best-selling author. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Lana McGarra. You are healing the past for people over 50 because as you say, you deserve a fresh start. Lana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Roger. It's my delight to be here today. Thanks. And yes, we're going through this uh, period of, of such uncertainty now. And as you and I just spoke briefly off camera, um, the, the wonderful thing, I think, for people that are used to working at home is our lives haven't changed much from, from a standpoint of day to day, but so many people's lives have. And uh, I guess just off the bat, how, how are you doing? Uh, how is your family doing? And, and how are you helping your clients in this time of need? Wow, this is uh, such a big question that everyone, and I'm, you know, I'm on Facebook a lot because for, I'm on there for business and I see this all the time. Um, first of all, we're all fine. Uh, we, no one in my family is ill. Uh, we don't even have a cold at the moment. Um, I have seven children. They're all grown up and living in their own homes. And so we jump on a Zoom call about once a week and, and check in. And, you know, we're actually communicating more than we were. There have been some really positive things that have happened uh, as a result of all this upheaval. And um, so I'm very, I feel very, very blessed to be in this space uh, where, because I do work at home and my, my job is just going on uh, as normal. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't go out. Uh, I haven't been out for nine days and I'm getting a lot done. <laughs> Instead of, you know, running out here or there. I'm, yeah. So uh, 
But uh, when I have people that are anxious, uh, usually what I tell them to do is uh, number one, be present. What is going on right now? Are you okay? Do you have enough food in the house? Uh, do you feel threatened in, in this minute right now? Um, and coming into that place uh, is, is so good. Even, you know, I was just cooking a meal the other day and I, I thought, you know, it's, it's really, I'm fine. There's nothing, my car is full of gas. I have food in the house. Everything's good. I, I, my heater's running fine. I'm, I'm okay. And, and I think that the fear comes from the projection of what will, you know, maybe happen rather than what is, you know, happening in the moment. What I find uh, is with worry is that when we go into a place where there is a crisis and let's say someone did get sick and there was hospital and all these things going on, we have a resilience in us that comes up in those times that we don't have before it happens. And so when we worry, we're, we're taxing our body, we're taking down our own immune system and it's not helping us, it's not helping anyone, uh, rather than living in the moment and knowing if something happens, then I'm going to have the strength to, to handle it, I'm gonna deal with it, that's what we do, and uh, we're gonna get through it, yeah. Oh, so well said, and, and I, I have to be honest, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm observing a lot at this time, and, and I'm thinking about what you said, and everything you said, I really try to do, and I really try to stay present. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. But my wife will probably kill me. Um, she, she has been a wreck, you know, for the for the past couple of weeks. Uh, she has been a wreck. She's been worried, and and I've been trying to help. But um, and now she's sick. You know, now she's she has a a, a cold, mm -hmm. and um, so it just you know. I just wonder about that, right? Like those of us that do worry, does that have some effect on our, our body? Does our immune system come down, come down? Because she eats very healthy. She exercises. She's in, you know, great, you know, I would say, um, you know, health overall, but the worry is what concerns me. So for someone like me, who's experiencing this right now with my wife and other people that may be listening that maybe going through it themselves or their spouse or, or you know, significant others, someone close to them. What would you say next? If, if they are in that, if they're stuck in that worry, how would you help me right now? Well, that's such a good question. Um, it is scientifically proven by the HeartMath Institute that when someone is in a state of anxiety, their immune system drops 40 to 60% immediately. Wow. And just one worried thought will take your immune system down for hours. If you're in a state of worry over a period of days, then you are just diminishing and diminishing the body's ability to fight with its normal, you know, normal processes. So that is really scientific fact, um, which is one reason why I stay away from the news. I, I do not watch it. I don't watch all that stuff. I, I catch the updates reading, not listening to someone's agitated voice on a newscast. That affects me more than just scanning the headlines or, or glancing through some report uh, because uh, the news is very troubling. It's extremely troubling. And, you know, they're looking for ratings. They want people to watch. And so there's some, there's some, you know, strategy behind all that. So I just stay away from it because I'm protecting my mental health. I'm protecting myself from the input of other uh, people while still staying informed. Um, and so that's one piece of it. I have blocked people on Facebook who are constantly putting out negative stuff because that is not what I want to go into my consciousness. I want to stay strong. My family needs me strong. And uh, so that's one thing is managing your environment and what's coming into your awareness for one thing. The other thing uh, is to um, stop and begin to listen to uh, the opposite, positive input, meditations, calming things. On, there's tons of stuff on YouTube that you can listen to and just get in a quiet place. If you're agitated, put that on and just stop everything and allow that to come then into your mind and reverse the, the thinking process that is, that is happening. Um, 
And there is something that I, I give my clients almost every session I do, uh, and that is to say these three statements continuously, because we have a lot of negative thinking going on all the time. It's just, you know, it comes up. But to replace that with these three statements, first of all, I'm safe. Second, I am loved. We're all loved by so many people and just so much. The universe is benevolent and we are loved. And the third thing is I'm never alone. I am never alone. And I think that a lot of the, the anxiety comes up from that alone feeling like powerlessness and, and uh, so forth. And, and we are not alone. And so with those three thoughts and those that saying those three things, it brings some peace and harmony into the body, into the mind to calm these things because we are never alone. That is huge. And uh, I, I experienced that. I left my 30 year marriage and I, I went 12 hours away and I was alone. First time in my life, I got married right out of college. I'd never been alone. I went from living at home to being married and I was alone. And this was something that I did in my own personal development. Those three things, I am safe, I am loved, and I am never alone. Powerful. They'll shift everything, yes. Very powerful. Thank you for that. I am going to try to implement some of those strategies and talk to my wife about those as well. And hopefully others could do the same. So great. So let's move into your story and um, a little bit more about what you're doing to help people. So first of all, you have a TV show for 50 plus women. Can you tell us about that? Well, it was something that evolved. I never dreamed I would be working with 50 plus women. Um, but I am a clinical hypnotherapist and I work with a lot of women. And it seems like uh, in this culture that we're in, you know, uh, in North America, um, women are really on a, they're on a quest to improve themselves and learn, explore and, and so forth. And so I do have some male clients, but most of my clients are women. When I got an offer from the TV network, uh, I was contacted by the TV network and, and asked, would you like a show of your own? I had appeared on someone's show just as we're doing today. And um, the network saw it, the network owner, and contacted me. So when I got to that point, I had that opportunity, you know, my first, that gut feeling, you know, you have, it's like the answer's there before you even think about it. The answer was yes, but what would I do it on? I, I did, had to really go and, and consider that. And when I, when I got into thinking, I remember I was walking the dog in the yard, in the backyard, you know, like circling. <laughs> And thinking about it, <laughs> all of a sudden, um, I, it just came to me. You know, most of my clients are over 50. The transformations I'm seeing in them are phenomenal, where they look younger, they act younger. They're, they're so happy and they're excited. And, and I've, I saw people, I, I have seen people over these years quitting their jobs, uh, getting, you know, going into the career they've always wanted to do and living their dream. And I thought, you know what? That's what I want. I want to work with that. I want that because it's so juicy and alive and excited and there's so much energy and fun in that group of people. And uh, that's exactly what it is. We have a lot of fun. Yeah. So what's a typical show like? We uh, have, it's an hour long program and I always have an expert spotlight for 20 minutes. And this person brings something to the group that is in line with some topic. Um, I had someone come on and talk about uh, moving overseas as a retirement plan. It was really, that, that was a great episode. Um, and then other personal development uh, things and uh, health, some health things. And, and just anybody that's got something juicy that's interesting, uh, I will bring them in and uh, we'll talk for 20 minutes. And then when the expert is uh, finished, then I go into a, about a 15 minute segment of my own, where then I bring in my insights and additions to whatever the topic of the day is. And then we do a process. We end up each show with something that we can do to feel better today. Something we can do to shift our thinking or, or clear something in our mind or maybe some past pain. Um, and I lead the group in some process and we end on a very 
positive heartfelt note because that's what my purpose is. My purpose is to convince people of the value of their own, their own purpose and dreams. So that sounds uh, amazing, uh, first of all, but what's the interaction like after the show, post-show? Uh, is there a lot of engagement from the audience after the show? And, and are they asking questions to the guest, you know, the expert guest for that day? How does that work? Uh, the platform that we are in, the, the Awake TV Network platform, is a subscription-based platform. The, the live broadcasts are free, but in order to re, uh, uh, you know, access the archives, you have to be a paid member. It's like $10 a month. It's very, it's very similar to Gaia or Netflix. Okay. So there is a, a place to comment below while the show is going on. And so every so often, every few minutes, I'll check and see if there are any comments and then we'll respond. And, and so there's, a, there's definitely a, an interaction. I love this network because it's the only one doing this that you can actually speak to the people on the show when you're watching. And then we also have a Facebook group for interaction between, uh, which is uh, now it's my turn.com. You'll go into the Facebook group and uh, then the speakers are also on the Facebook group. And so then you can interact over there as well. So there is, there is a, a good level of interaction for sure. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes for people to, uh, check it out and hopefully subscribe to the network so they could watch lots of your episodes. <laughs> Thank you so Sounds much. Sounds amazing. Yeah. But the target audience is women 50 plus. Is that correct? Correct. And, and there are some men who are in the group, actually. I mean, it's, it's not like uh, we don't like men. <laughs> We're okay with that. And I actually do have men come on as experts because uh, people have said to me, I'm not 50. I'm not over 50. And I said, don't worry. You don't have to be over 50. I've met on the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, fantastic. It sounds amazing. And congratulations on, on having your own show because I know, uh, number one, it's not easy you know, to continue to do something like that week after week with the episodes. Uh, but more than anything, you're helping people. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. That's why I get up in the morning. I really, I, and I see the show as, as more like my purpose. It, it isn't work at all. Although I spend almost a full day preparing for it, doing the show and the after still, it, it, it's just like, it's wonderful. It's just a fountain. It just comes up and it, That's it's awesome. Yes. It's great. How often are the episodes aired? We are on every Sunday, 2 PM Pacific, 5 PM Eastern time. And it's a live broadcast. So we interact. Great. Yeah. That is great. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about um, some of your work. You have something that you have coined myth busting um, when, when discussing aging. Can you talk about that, what that means, and what, again, what you're doing to help people uh, with this myth busting? Well, this is something that I, uh, I just get so much fun out of. Uh, this whole thing is fun to me because, um, you know, I, I am of the age, I'm not going to tell you the number, <laughs> but I could, I could draw Social Security. Uh, and what I have found in this... I don't believe group, you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. You just got some brownie points for that. Um, what I found in this time that we're living in is that the old attitudes about aging no longer apply. A lot of times people uh, with the old traditional mindset will feel like now that I am retirement age, that's the time for me to slow down. It's the time for me to start, you know, uh, checking on all the aches and pains and, and expecting how quickly I'm going to decline. And, and this is a real thing. Um, I was sitting in a doctor's office and I saw a chart that showed, showed women uh, different ages and how bent over their back will be at certain ages. And I'm, I was like, what? Why would you put that in somebody's mind that at 70, I should be this much and at 80, I should be this much. Wh who said that? And besides that, we're individuals. We're not on an assembly line. Everybody has their own approach to their life. And what I am seeing in the women over 50, over 60, over 70 and beyond is that we're not slowing down. We're actually speeding up because the, all of the structure of our life, the, the paying the mortgage, raising the kids and, and the career stuff and all that 
is winding down. And now we get to say, what do I want to do? What, what can I do with these, these next 20, 30, 40 years? I, I've got all this energy and all this uh, enthusiasm and curiosity. And so instead of slowing down, we're actually gearing up because now life is exciting. And it's a real fact that people over 70 are happier than people over 40 or 30 because we have life experience now. And that's one of the things I, that I'm excited about because, you know, with all this negativity and doom saying that we're going through right now, you know, we've been through a lot. Somebody who's lived 50, 60, 70 years, we look back and say, yeah, that's what they said in this year. And that's what they said in that year. And remember Y2K, the end of the world? Well, you know, we are still here. And tomorrow the sun's gonna rise and we're just gonna keep on going. And, you know, whenever the time does come that it's our time to transition, then, you know, whatever's ahead, it's not gonna be bad. We're gonna be okay then too. And so why should we borrow the future when we're okay today? And that's really a life philosophy. Uh, but if you read the medical things and, and all the stuff that's out on aging, you don't see that. You, you get more about, you know, watch out, you're going to get heart disease, check your family history, look out. These are the symptoms. And if you, you know, if you see this, you better run right to the doctor because, and, and, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the doctor. What I am saying is imbibing these ideas of, you know, expected decline. I know someone who is in their late seventies, uh, climbing mountains in Nepal. Wow. He's wonderful. That's and great. He's, 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 and he's just calm, calm, looking forward to the next day. And you know, that is the kind of mindset that will shift us into the next years where we can have that optimism, get up every day with, energy and excitement for our life because um, we don't have, we have so much to look forward to. And especially as women, I remember my grandmother and my mother, even my mother's almost 80 now. Uh, she, the, both of them did not have the opportunities that we had, that we have now as women. And, and one of the things that excites me is we have an open road. We're confident. We've been through some things. We've learned a lot. We have a lot to offer the younger generation. We need to be sharing ourselves and, and improving, you know, the world. Uh, and and sitting, sitting at home watching The Price is Right, you know, is a totally different view of what we're all about in this time. And uh, people are living over 100 and still functional right now. There's a woman in New York who had her first art show, public art show at 103. Wow. And she didn't start showing art until she was 85. That gives me chills. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. A couple things in there that you talked about that I'd love to follow up with. One is you, uh, you were talking about this gentleman who is the, the mountain climber um, and you use the word calm such an important term but at the same time i think for people that have not been practicing calm if they have not been practicing being aware and present and a lot of the things you talked about today the mindset you know reading positive material shutting down the news it's hard to even comprehend the term and the reason i could say that is because i was there right it, so roger 10 years ago was not the same person I am today because I wasn't applying all the tools. Here I am today uh, in the midst of all this chaos, I have never been more calm. So and I'm not saying that to brag, I just want to echo your comments of if whatever you plant inside your mind day after day after day is what it will return. So if, you're, if the fear is coming in, if you're looking at those posters in the doctor's office, if you're listening to that newscaster, you know, that's what's going to be in your mind. But if you decide to shut that down and take in what you want when you want, it's, it's amazing. And 
Um, and I'm so I'm so glad you said that because I'm experiencing it, and um, and it sounds like the very same practices you're helping your clients with, and and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that you're doing that. Thank you so much. I have the same uh, the same story. I had so much anxiety uh, and so much uh, just edginess and worry uh, because I came from an abused childhood, and then I was married to a narcissist for thirty years. I had a lot of stress in my life. I raised seven children and there was so much anxiety in my body, in my mind. It took me a couple of years to just shed that off and come into this space of calm. And so when I talk about that, it's something that I have experienced deeply in my life. I've had two children who were chronically ill to, to take care of the, the potential for anxiety is um, it's massive. It's massive, but there, there is a place and I'm so grateful that this is a fact, a truth. There is a place that we can come to, to say, I'm going to stop that. And I'm going to get some answers so I can be in peace inside, not just put it on and pretend but actually have peace inside. And that is a multi-layered thing. And it goes back really a lot to what happened to us as kids, what we experienced of the world as being safe or not safe, and some things we might've experienced through our lives that might've traumatized us and given us even more proof that the world is not safe. But going into that through some getting help from someone. And there are so many people today who help people with this very thing. I have worked with so many people. I couldn't even list them all. I couldn't even give you a number. How many people I've worked with. Once I found out there are people who can help you with this. I'm not on a quest. Like, Oh, you do that. Let me try that. <laughs> you do this. I'm going to try that. <laughs> um, but coming into that where you can go in and find out where that little child that was you began to feel unsafe and calm that down because that's a program running in the mind and it's constantly playing. And it really is going into the deep work that will help to take the baseline anxiety down first and then manage what you allow to come in so you don't reactivate it. So there is a process to it, but the, the beautiful thing is it's never too late. It's never too late to start taking control of how you feel. A lot of times people feel like a victim of circumstances, a victim of their past, a victim of their situation or the world, you know, at large, but we really do have control of how we feel. We simply have to know that there's a way to access that and to come into calm without being like, you know, uh, a pinball, you know, going bang, bang, bang all around the pinball machine. We can come into that. And yes, it's not that we're living in some pie in the sky world. Stuff happens. It does. But with the calmness, then we can come into clarity for the next step. And when that mountain climber is up there and they run into a situation, his calmness is his best asset because he's got the ability now to, to make good judgments rather than going into the rabbit mindset of looking for the nearest hole and running. And that's what we get into if we're in the fear state. So, um, there is a way to do it. it. It might not be quick, but there is a way. And, and one of the beautiful things about it that I've discovered in my own work, because yes, I'm a hypnotherapist, but I also do many other things along with it. And that is the process can be gentle. You don't have to reactivate the trauma. You can be in a very quiet state. And I do a lot of my work through guided meditations. They're very enjoyable. And yet they unlock those past things that have kept us in that fear state they'll unlock that and it just like flies it just floats away 
once it's unlocked, because the mind and the body want to get rid of that. They know, we know inside somehow that that's not good for us, but we just don't know how to get rid of it or how to release it. And so through that guided meditation process, you know, just to, just to release, let it go up, just like a helium balloon flying up to the sky, it's gone. And when the session is over, you know, people just feel so relaxed. They're just so grateful. They have this big smile. It's wonderful. Um, I know other processes might work, but really and truly, you don't have to be crying and beating a pillow. And I think that's what a lot of people, that's why they don't access what's out there because they feel like they're going to have to go there. They're going to have to feel that awful feeling, cry and get traumatized. But no, you don't have to. There are a lot of practitioners who can take you through gentle ways to do it. That's one reason I love being in this time because the science has come forward is phenomenal. It, it's, it's almost miraculous. If you'd have told somebody back in the 1980s that we could do what we're doing today with this kind of thing, they would have said, you're, you're dreaming. <laughs> but it's real. It's real. It works. And it's absolutely amazing. So Lana, that's, that's awesome. Uh, just again, you're really, really good at what you do. I could tell. And, and I so appreciate you sharing so much of your wisdom with us today because it does make a difference in, in how people think. And now maybe people will be thinking, Hmm, you know, maybe, maybe I can reach out and, and get some help. Um, yes. you know, maybe they contact you as an example or, or someone or someone that's in their network. But, um, yeah. let's talk a little bit about your hypno hypnotherapy practice. Mm -hmm. So I think you kind of lead let us into what it is, but why is someone coming to you to begin with? Is it all over the board? Um, who, who I guess is your client avatar and why would I want to come talk to you about hip hypnotherapy? Most, well, I should say 100%. I did a survey of my clients a couple of years ago as part of, you know, understanding who I was working with and 100% of my clients have high anxiety, 100%. 80% of them have some form of depression. That's just sadness, just can't seem to pull themselves out of it. Um, and those come, the, the surroundings for those two things are, have different stories behind them. One of my clients, her husband was in a motorcycle accident. He almost died. She cared for him for a solid year, getting him literally back on his feet. The bills were coming in. He was out of commission. She was dealing with everything, the medical people, the bills, she was traumatized. And when she, when her husband finally went back to work, she came to me and she said, I can't get over it. I thought once he went back to work, I'd be okay. But every time the phone rings, I go get the mail. I, I just get all this anxiety. And she was so thin and so gray. Her face looked so gray. And when she was sitting in the chair, she was kind of hunched over and oh, my heart just went out to her. We did one session. She went home. I didn't hear from her. She was supposed to come back the next week, uh, the next month. I mean, it was a month away and I told her, take a month. You've been through a lot, you know? And so the next month she sent me this email and she said, I'm going on vacation in Maine with my girlfriends. I can't come this time. Let's do it next month. <laughs> so she did. And the next month she came in and this was after one session. This is my most dramatic change that I saw she walked in, she had on this, she had a pink stripe in her hair. She had on jeans and boots. She came in with this attitude. She said, and I looked at her and I went, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> we worked together for three or four sessions and she was cleaning houses for a living, quit her job, they bought, her and her husband bought this little shop, this little gift shop in a beautiful little historic town. It's awesome. It's beautiful down there. She's living her dream. She is so happy. And I went to her opening uh, for, this, for the store and her husband came up to me and said, I just, I just want to thank you because I lived through that. I saw what happened. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So what happened there? Did and I know that's one of your uh, more extreme examples, I guess, but what, what actually happened there 
with her, did, did she just come into her own and um, was able to get past whatever was, was blocking her from accomplishing her, her goals, her dreams? Yes. Uh, we went through a process where she was able to not just focus on that one thing, although that was the focus of the session, but there are a couple of processes where we can literally do this guided meditation and just take off negativity, like, like pulling a paper off a tablet and you take that one off and crumple it up, throw it in the trash. You take the next one off, crumple that up and throw it in the trash. And those first processes are what we call general because they get a lot of stuff at one time. And in an hour and a half, uh, even though the person doesn't know what's written on those papers, so they don't have to read it, experience it, and reactivate it, they can still take it off, throw it away, and there is the mind is so brilliant that if we frame it in the right way, she could get some of that childhood anxiety. She can get some of that trauma from when she was a teenager and maybe she was in a car accident and this just reactivated everything. Because when we get into that anxiety state, usually it's like a ball of string, like all the stuff in our life that has ever caused us to be afraid comes back, you know, and together. And then we have all of it to deal with. And so those processes where you're just like tearing it off and throwing it away might seem silly, but it's actually letting the brain get rid of the trash. Amazing. Yeah. It's when I first experienced it, when I went through the training, I've been through many trainings, the training for this, I was transformed. All the stuff that had happened in my own life, years of abuse uh, from my childhood and all the stuff in my marriage. And, you know, it wasn't like everything cleared up in one at one time, but enough of it changed that I felt different as soon as it happened. And when I came through that facet of the training, because we were practicing on each other and we experienced it, everybody experienced it. I knew I wanted to do this with my life. Wow. This was something that changes you in a positive way without feeling bad. There's no feeling bad involved. I had been through therapy for a long time and I know, I mean, and losing it and all the crying and, and having to go back to the past when I was six years old and this and that happened, you know, I've been through that, but to be able to take it from this angle and this isn't hypnotherapy. This is something called holographic memory theory, holographic memory theory. And you can look that up, Google it is a scientific method that with instruments that can isolate where we're storing these memories in the body and dissolving them. This body is holding your memories. And that's why a lot of times the, the therapies that we do, they, they only are from the neck up. They're all in the head. When a lot of the trauma is actually stored in the body. And this is why people have pain. And I, I think that older people, the reason why they look, you know, so heavy and burdened is because they're carrying how many years of stuff in the body. It's heavy. It's holding them down. And when we get some pain that doesn't seem to have a source, you know, I had a lot of pain in my shoulder. My shoulder would lock and I would have to go to get massage, acupuncture, massive things to try. I got an electrical, electrical stimulator one time because I had so much pain in the shoulder. Well, later I found out this was where I was storing all that stuff. Oh, there's something upset me. Well, I'll put it there, you know? Um, and so the releasing is not what you expect. It's not what you expect. And that's why you don't have to relive it because the reliving part is up here and the trauma part is, you know, in here. Amazing. Uh, so holographic memory theory, look it up. There aren't very many practitioners out there. It's only been around for three or four years. And that's part of what you do? That is a major part of what I do. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I know a lot of people are going to say, where do I sign up? 
because um, you could just tell, again, from your experience in doing this, that it's another approach, right? It's not, yes. it may not be for everyone, but if someone is willing to do this, it might be the best thing that they ever did. Absolutely. Absolutely. What state of mind is the client in when, are they aware of everything? You know, we Absolutely. Hear, okay. It is a client directed session. And so we go into meditative state, just like you would do with any meditation, you know, sit down, get calm. And then, you know, we relax and, and do some breathing. And then we just go into these imaginary uh, guided meditations. Just imagine you're walking on the beach and this is happening and that's happening. And it's a beautiful setting always. It's a very relaxing setting. And then we go into these various processes, you know, with the papers and throwing them away and, and different things that we do. Um, and then we come back uh, and open, you know, open your eyes now. You're back to the room. And um, that's it. That's all it is. It's, and the client remembers every single thing. And a lot of times we'll sit there afterwards and they'll tell me, you know, the experiences that they had and what happened and all the cool stuff, <laughs> all that fun stuff. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And is it always in person or do you do this virtually as well? I do it also on, on zoom. Yes. And, and I do screen uh, people who are qualified to do it on zoom. If someone has some, something that is needing, you know, a psychologist, I would not work with them on zoom. So I'm very careful, but most of the people, I mean, probably 95% of everybody that contacts me can do it on zoom. It's not really, it's not invasive. It's not upsetting. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's certain, certain situations that wouldn't be able to do that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Heavy stuff, but very, very important. Um, another thing that you really like to talk about is stopping self sabotage. Can you discuss this for us? Oh, absolutely. Oh man. This is something that I did for years and years and years. Um, in my business, I've always had like a side gig going on, you know, I've always had something going on. And I would work so hard and I'd take all these courses and I do everything exactly right and get no results. <laughs> and what I realized later when I got into all of this other stuff was that self-sabotage, you know, at some point happens. And what I, I call this looking through a cracked mirror because when we see ourselves, some trauma state, something that happened gives us a false picture of our, of ourselves. So we have limiting beliefs, you know, like, Oh, I couldn't reach out to that person. They're too important. They wouldn't want to hear from me. Um, and, and different limiting beliefs that we have as a result of past programming that makes us see ourselves in a way that's not accurate. Because if we really look in the mirror, a true rendering of ourselves, a lot of times our friends will tell us, you're really talented. You're great. You should just go with that. You know, you're going to do fine. And yet we don't see it because when we look in the mirror, we see ourselves in a different way. It's distorted. And so getting clear on ourselves and releasing those mis those misinterpretations of who we are is the major way to stop self-sabotaging. Just get real. Because we have talents and abilities. We all do. We have experience. We have a lot to offer. Self-sabotage is not seeing that accurately. And it's so easily taken care of. Yeah, no. And again, it's one of those things maybe that you don't think about all the time. But as you're talking about it, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I could see a lot of people. And again, I used to do this myself and I probably still do, you know, uh, at times. Um, but again, I think it's something, once you understand it, you, you can improve it and then hopefully eliminate doing that again, right? You, you catch yourself and you say, okay, I'm doing that now. I'm not doing, you know, again, throw that paper up and out and, and, you know, not focus on that. I can do it. You know, um, I had someone reach out to me a couple of days ago on LinkedIn, just saying, Hey, look, I, you know, I watch your podcast. I love what you're doing. I started my own podcast. Um, I see you interviewed all these wonderful people, um, but I, I've reached out to people and, and they're not responding. What do I do? You know, so I, you know, I just thought about it. And basically I told them, don't give up, right? You're, you are no different than me or anyone else. Uh, you have to start somewhere. So get one person 
and then get two and then get four and eight and 16. And before you know it, you'll have all these wonderful people on. But the, the biggest thing is, is don't give up on yourself. Don't self-sabotage so that you're not able to make that phone call or reach out. You are good enough. So these are things I think that creep into our lives all the time. It's how we react to them. So uh, again, another very important topic. I'm glad you brought that up. And um, if someone is struggling with this, maybe they are aware of it, but they're still doing it. Any tips on what they might be able to do to try to improve to get better? <laughs> wow, you just opened the door for me on that one. <laughs> Would it be okay if I did just a little demonstration? Please. Okay, I, I just I love, love these. <laughs> I'm game. I'm like, okay. <laughs> These are so fun. And this is just like a little sample. You don't even have to be in meditative state to do this. So when you find out that you're self-sabotaging, you get that stop, you know, like you're wanting to do something and you're like, Ugh, I don't know if I can do it. You just stop and pause. And you ask yourself a couple questions. And I'm glad this is recorded because people can come back and do this again and again. Um, you ask, how old was I the first time I had this idea that I could not do whatever it is I'm wanting to do? How old was I? And then you just let that come up. And uh, Roger, if you'd like to just like think of one and, and play along with me, that'd be fun. Sure. If you want to. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So how old was I? And the first number that comes up is the right answer. So a number will come to your mind. Like I was six, I was five. Um, and so when we're asking these questions, just remember that the, the subconscious mind speaks very softly and it'll come right away. Six, four. The conscious thinking mind will come behind it and say, mm, be right don't listen to that second guessing part take the first answer okay so how old was i was i inside or outside when this happened was i in a house or outside the next question is was i alone or with people was okay. i alone or with people now sometimes that'll bring up a memory it doesn't have to so if you think of some memory then fine that's good but you don't have to if not your mind knows what it was doesn't matter Okay, the next question, you take your hand and say, where did I store this memory in my body? And just let your hand touch the place. Now, I'm just gonna use my shoulder because it's easy to see, but you just touch the place with your hand. Where did you store that? Okay, next question, what color is it? First color that comes to your mind is the right answer. You're not seeing it. You're just assigning a color. I'm gonna say mine's blue. Mine is blue as well. Okay. So now what we're going to do is we're just going to play an imagination game. We're going to pretend that this, is this place right here is stuffed full of cotton candy. And we're just going to pull it out. Put it in your other hand. Pull that cotton candy, whatever color it is, that blue color, and put it in your hand. You're just going to pull it out. You're going to like make it a pile of cotton candy right here in your hand. And you just keep pulling until you kind of get an idea that you're done. You get a feeling like, okay, I've got it all. Sometimes it might crawl. Sometimes it might migrate just get it all and now when you're ready just have this blue ball of cotton candy energy in your hand all right so as it's in your hand it just becomes like a little ball of energy and you're going to grab it by the size you're going to stretch it into a widescreen tv and as you stretch it down to a widescreen tv you're going to put a border around it like encapsulate it now it's a tv and the great thing about it, when you stretched it, it became a video. It, you can't see it. It's too blurry. But you see color and you see movement. It's a video. All right. So now on the bottom of this screen, you've got a little knob that's going to turn the color off. You're going to just turn that knob until the color goes off. It's going to either turn white or black. It doesn't matter. Just turn, 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 turn until the color goes blank. And when you have it all turned down, it's going to now become like a slate. You're going to write on it with your finger. You're going to write all the lessons I learned from this event. Because a lot of times we think we learned something. We don't want to forget that because we learned something. Well, we're going to record the event. You don't have to know what you're writing. You can just write because your mind knows what it is. You don't have to consciously know what it is. You just write, write, write. And sometimes I get impatient, write with all five fingers at one time. Just keep writing, writing, writing. Sometimes I get a little upset. <laughs> right. Just get it out. Get it all out there. All the lessons that you learned. Just keep writing and writing until it's all done. You got it all written down. 
It's great. Then when you're done, you're gonna squeeze it down to the size of a DVD. Squeeze it down so now it's like one of those red box DVDs. All right, now you're gonna hold it up over your head as high as you can. Be careful if you're in front of a wall, but I want you to, to throw it backwards as hard as you can. Bam! Throw it up against the wall. And now take your two nail guns and nail it to the wall. Bam, 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 bam. Yes. All these body movements are important. Okay, now do a little chest test on your body. And notice the place where it was. Notice how it, how it feels. Notice the change. Notice how light you feel in your body and in your mind. Now see if there's any blue left. And notice what happens instead. Okay, and if some, some rare person might have a little left, they can do it again, but most of the time it's gone. It's all gone. Wow. All right, that's it. That's a Love quick it. and easy one. You can do it in five minutes. And is that something you recommend people do over again? If, they, if it comes back, if the feeling comes back or if they're stuck? Absolutely, and you can do it anytime for anything just about. Now, sometimes you need deeper work. You know, my, my client, Jerry, she might have been able to relieve some anxiety in that moment, but she wouldn't have been able to have that massive transformation without a full session. But this, if you have that anxiety, say some newscast comes on and all of a sudden you're feeling like, oh, turn it off, get calm, pull it out, pitch it right on it. Pitch it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. love it. That's why I love doing Thank you so much. Uh, that's why I love doing these conversation interviews because you never know what's going to come out of them you know we had a, our list of topics but we definitely didn't discuss doing this so again not only are you helping me you're going to help many people in our audience and, and i can't thank you enough for that that's uh that's wonderful that's my joy it's my joy <laughs> it's wonderful <laughs> okay so we can't let you go yet we still have one more important topic to discuss and that is your writing this is something you've been doing for a long time yeah. and i know it's important to you and i know you help lots of people with your writing can you tell us exactly what you do well my old life <laughs> in my old life um uh which is still true today actually i'm a best-selling award-winning author uh i have 20, 20 novels that I wrote before <laughs> this <incredible>. transition. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 20 novels. 20 novels. Um, one of my novels won a national award in 2001. Um, and uh, I just love that world. I, I guess that's one of the reasons I gravitate toward the guided meditations because it's a story and I love, you know, creating stories. Um, after my divorce and my big life transition, I, I changed so much that I felt like I didn't really know my voice, which I'm getting back now, which I'm so excited. Um, and so I started writing for other people. And so I've been ghostwriting now for about seven years. Uh, and I write uh, for other people. I write books for other people on topics of wellness, personal development. I've, I've done a few memoirs. I did one novel. I ghostwrote a novel for someone who wanted to show what they did in novel form instead of writing a book, you know, a nonfiction book about it. Um, and I love that. I love that because uh, I work with a lot of really creative, exciting people and we discuss ideas and, and then do the work and, and all of that. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for me. So that's like my, that's like my bread and butter job. Uh, the hypnotherapy is what I, absolutely love to do and I, I'd like to flip it you know where I'm doing more of that and less of the writing uh, and eventually I will uh, but uh, for now I'm, I'm doing that double double gig thing That's <laughs> at the moment. That's and the first time we spoke uh, a week or two ago I mentioned to you that I'm also a writer and I've been working on a novel for seven years and you said well that's a long time but tell, tell everyone what you told me <laughs> My first novel I worked on for 14 years. 14 so I don't feel years. so bad. <laughs> but that I, is also the novel that became a bestseller. Is that right? Yes, the it award? was a bestseller. Yes, it didn't. It was a different novel, won the national award, but that one sold 250,000 copies. Um, Incredible. Yes, yes. It became a series. Can you tell us the, the title so people could look it up if they're sure. interested? Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, the title of that first novel, which became then a bundled four-volume, four-series, 
Uh, it's called Colorado. Uh, and my, my name, my name I used for my writing then was Rosie Dow. You're not going to find Lana McCara on Amazon, but if you put in Rosie Dow, R-O-S-E-Y-D-O-W, you'll find me there. Colorado was the, the big bestseller. I, and I had uh, several that sold around 100,000 besides that one. But then the one that won the national award is called Reaping the Whirlwind. And it is a uh, historical novel about the Scopes Evolution Trial in 1925 that changed the trajectory of American education from that point on. Yeah, so I found out that uh, it was a much misunderstood event. Nobody really knew what happened. There's been a lot of, there's a play out called uh, Inherit the Wind uh, that was total fiction. Nothing in that movie happened. And when I found out the truth, I thought, man, this is a story. It's, it's really exciting. I had to do this. So I spent two years writing that one. Yeah. Wow, incredible. <laughs> uh, do you mind sharing a little bit of information? Uh, I work with a lot of writers. We actually have a course where we help people write their first book. And I think there's this, you know, thought, especially for first time authors, and I've, I've written a couple books now, so um, I definitely am not writing the book for the money. I mean, that's, yes. that's like the last, the last thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but for someone who has had great success with it at that level, I mean, that's, you've sold a lot of books. Mm -hmm. um, can you just share with us a little bit about the um, career side of writing and the truth of that? So uh, what I'd like to do is share with people um, the truth so they don't have a false, you know, understanding of if I become this writer, you know, I'm going to sell all these hundreds of thousands of books and I'm going to become independently wealthy. What's, what's the reality of that? So people might have a, a better understanding. Well, for one thing, you absolutely have to do it as a passion. Writing is a long and tedious and lonely process. And uh, your friends and family are going to get tired of you talking about it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and after they've read it one time, they're not going to want to read it again. <laughs> Speaking of that, I have to tell you a quick story. Uh, when I was in year five or so, I received a gag gift from my brother-in-law at, at Christmas. And I opened the package and it was a block of, it looked like a book. And it had, you know, nice bound binding around it white pages and on the front it said writer's block <laughs> <laughs> so yes my family did get a little know, overwhelmed me talking about it and saying when's this book gonna be done you're in year five so i'm sorry to interrupt no no that's exactly the story because my first book i wrote i rewrote five times i wrote it twice then I changed it to historical, changed the setting completely, wrote it again, and, and on and on until I finally, I, I clicked uh, into a market and I finally got published. Um, that went on from 1982 to 1996. So, um, yeah, you have to do it as a passion. Uh, one of, another thing is nobody can teach you how to write. They can give you principles. They can give you advice. Uh, if you find a good editor, that person is worth gold to you because they can give you feedback, but they cannot teach you how to write. The only way to learn how to write is to write. Just I'm keep so, writing, keep yeah. trying. Keep I'm so glad advice. you said that. I'm so glad because the program we have is just that it's a program. It's more of a, a, an accountability program mm -hmm. for you to stay consistent, right? And, yes. and get into a rhythm and a pattern and a, have a safe space and, you know, do all the things you need to do, whether you burn incense or listen to soft music, you have to find your own groove, but you have to do the work. No one's going to write the book for you. Exactly. Exactly. I had a novel writing course for five years that I did by correspondence. Once I won that national award, so many writers were coming to me wanting help that I finally started to just to give them feedback. You know, that was really what it was about. Although we went through the various facets of writing a novel. Um, so yes, there's that. Um, the other piece of it is that it is not really a money-making venture. You can make money, but the chances of you making money is so, it's so delayed yeah. and so uh, unsure, uncertain. You could make a lot of money. That book that sold 250,000 copies, I made $50,000 off that book, but it was over a two-year period and you can't live on $25,000 a year. Even the best seller that I ever had, 
I still couldn't live on that amount of money. So, you know, the, the money is really secondary to fulfillment. I was having fun. I was having a lot of fun. Of course, I was raising kids and I was doing this as a side gig, right? Um, and there was a breadwinner in the house. It wasn't just me. Um, so there's that piece of it. But the other piece of it, which I always tell writers when they come to work with me, is that um, if you're writing a nonfiction book, some like you have learned things about business and you want to get that, you know, 12 steps to success kind of book out there, then be prepared to have something after the book that they can access that really is a business. Every book has a potential to be a business. So the 12 steps could then become a 12 step program yes. and then coaching and, and all these other back end things. The book isn't the, the main thing. The book is the, just to get you in the door. And then the money comes from what you do with it afterwards. And, and one of the challenges I've had with working with writers is they don't want to do the business part. Right. They just want to write the book. And that's only half the job. The work really starts when the book is done. No, thank you for putting that into perspective because it is, it's a lot for people to comprehend, especially going through it the first time. And, you know, like you said, it's really a tool. It's a tool yes. for something further. You know, there are exceptions, of course, right? I mean, we, there are the Dan Browns of the world that absolutely, I mean, they're not only earning a living, you know, they, they, they built an empire around it. So, sure. um, you know, that, that, that can happen. So, and we don't want people to give up on their dreams either, but the vast majority of people aren't even at the level that you've reached. I mean, and that's, that's quite in, incredible. The amount of books that you sold. Most people, from what I heard, the stat is they sell less than 5,000 books. Yes. 5,000 is kind of the benchmark. Yeah. Right, and, right. And, but again, yeah. even if you sell 5,000 or less, if you're using it as a tool, if maybe you're a, a speaker, or maybe you have a you know an online program or you're a coach, it could be a fantastic tool to, to be able to help promote that and give people further reading material for what you're doing anyway. Absolutely. And and I just wanted to say also uh, along those lines to to just you know bolster what you said, and that is these these massively successful people like you know Dan Brown, Mary Higgins Clark, some of these names, oftentimes they wrote for years yes. undiscovered. Good point. And they, they didn't do it because of fame and fortune. They did it because it was in their heart. Absolutely. And it, it's a building process. You build fans, you build the following, you build credibility with the publisher and consistency is huge. If they can see that you have put out five books over the last 10 years and that they've done okay, at least that they would take a chance on you for a bigger publisher. That consistency is huge because they need to know that you can complete, that you can deliver, that you can end a book on a good note and, and finish the job. They need to know all those things. It, it's, I, I think as writers, we get so tied up in the inspiration part and the creativity part that we forget that publishing is a business. Yes. And you have to show what you've got in order to keep progressing to the next level in that arena. Um, it is something that you need to approach systematically and consistently and so forth, but don't do that to the point of losing the joy. I mean, it's fun. It's right. fun. Yeah. I used to get up at five o'clock in the morning, every morning before I homeschooled my children, right? For two hours, just because that was my time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I can relate to that. I can relate <laughs> to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, Anna. I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, if people are interested, if they want to contact you, maybe uh, they need a ghostwriter. I know you're still doing a little bit of that. Uh, maybe they want your hypnotherapy. Maybe they want to do some myth busting <laughs> around aging or, um, you know, maybe hire you as a coach. What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, Facebook, really. I mean, if you go on Facebook, Lana McCara, go to into my group. Uh, now it's my and mess message me through Facebook. I'm on there all the time. Uh, my email address is very simple, lana at lanamacara.com. Uh, and visit my website, lanamacara.com. Thank you so much, Roger. Oh, absolutely. But before I let you go, I do have one last question. I like to ask every guest, and you have a lot of life to live, and you're helping others live a longer life with all the things that you're doing. But at the end of the day, when your work is done, what type of legacy do you want to leave here 
on this earth? Hmm. Wow, what a question. You know, I would love it if people could learn and understand from my, from my work in the media, my writing and everything else, that it's okay to feel better. It's okay to feel better. You can feel better. It's not as hard as you think. Lana McCarra, welcome to the American Real family. Thank you so much. And I cannot wait to air this episode. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we can help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. <laughs>